0: hi welcome this is part two of our series live your calling and i'm so glad you joined us on this series and it's not too late if you're just finding out about it but we're on a 40-day journey to discover our life's calling and to live it out to discover our life's calling and to live it out it's never too late it's always right And God is always ready to reveal to you what your life's all about, because he's the one who loves you and made you. Let's invite our speaker for this morning. Father in heaven, thank you so much that God, you, O Lord, are a speaking God. You are a living God and that you can communicate. You've created us to be communicators and to be receptors of what you have to say to us. Lord, I know that you have something on the heart for each and every one here today. I know that you desperately want them to know the very best for their lives. I know that you want them to know that you have a calling on every life. And Father God, today, would you reveal that? Because it's not researched. It's not discovered. It's revealed. And God has to tell us. And we need to be willing to hear and to respond. So Lord, today, as we move a next step forward in this beautiful journey, Lord, would you take us forward with you, hand in hand, word by word, with the loving voice leading us. Father, take us f- uh, further. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Once again, if you joined us, thank you for joining us. We love you and we really want to be able to see your life's purpose take off okay let's get started we're in part two today and today's sermon is called called to be loved today's sermon is entitled called to be loved that you were called to be loved so let me begin with a verse that launches this frame of thought long ago paul was talking to the ephesian church he's a man of god who was very instrumental in writing parts of scripture and leading the, the the first century church Long ago, even before he made the world, God loved us. He chose us in Christ. It's on your screen. Look at this. God loved us and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault. That's how he chose us. He chose to be, make us holy and chose to make us without fault. His unchanging plan has always been, here it is, to adopt us into his own family. To adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. And don't miss this last part. And this gave him great pleasure. You ask the question, what makes God happy? You, having you, being in a relationship with you, getting you back, hearing from you, talking to you, providing for you. That's what makes God happy. That's what pleases God. So the first purpose, the original purpose, the main purpose for which God created you was to love you. The purpose he created you was to love you. If you haven't got this right, you need to stop your search, stop your thinking, stop everything and first ask, what does it mean that God created me to love me? God didn't create me for me to do things. God created me so that he could do things. He could do things for me so that he can relate to me, so that he can love me. You were created for God to love you. The first purpose of my life, write it down if you've got your notes. And the link of the notes is in the bottom of the uh, YouTube comment section. It's right there. You You can download it anytime. The first purpose of my life is to be loved by God. Look at what this verse says in, in Jude. And did you know that Jude is the brother of Jesus? He's actually a brother of Jesus. Jude was a brother of Jesus. James was a brother of Jesus. But these guys only came to faith in Christ only after his resurrection, because how do you try, how do you come to faith in a uh, when when your brother is God, you know how do, when, when your brother claims to be God, how do you submit to that? I mean that's impossible. But after the resurrection, Jude, James, and all the others they came to faith in Christ, and this is what Jude says. This letter is from Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. I am writing to all, look at this, who are called to live in the love of God. Called to live in the love of God, our father, and the care of Jesus Christ, his son. So you were created and you have been called to live in his love. You've not been called to do anything. You've been called to receive. You've been called into his relationship to receive him, to receive all that he has to give you. So your first calling, your first of, of, of greatest importance to your life is that you understand that you were made for a relationship with God, for God to enjoy that relationship with you, for God to enjoy the relationship with you. I mean, we parents, why do we have children? For the for the school fees? <laughs> For the school phase, why do we have children? Why do we have do we for the for the sleepless nights? Is that why we have children? Why do we have children so that they grow up and 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 give us a hard time? No, when we want a child, when a couple struggles to have a child, when when people adopt, it's because we choose to love them we don't even know what the child's going to look like what the child's going to be like even when we adopt a child we don't know what the child's going to turn out to like but we have decided in our hearts to love them what's so hard to understand tell me what is so difficult to understand god made you to love you so the first purpose of your life is to be loved by god and to be in a relationship with god and some of you don't want to be Some of you don't desire to be and some of you have never sought to be. And I'm calling you to be. I'm asking you to be. I'm calling you back if you used to be. And I'm asking you to enjoy it if you are being in a relationship with God. Dear friends in Rome, God loves you dearly. This is what Paul is saying to the church in Rome. Dear friends in Rome, God loves you dearly and he has called you to be his own people. There is a calling and a purpose in our life. Purpose often has to do with what we should do with our lives. But calling has to do with what, who we are called to be. What's, what's the mandate on our life? What's the overriding purpose of our life? Whose are we? Whose are we? Okay, so that relationship is what God has called us. And he says, I've called you to be in my family. I've called you to be in my family. That means you are a son or a daughter of God. You're a son or a daughter. What an incredible quality of love. What manner of love God has shown to us that we should be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. You see that verse? Can I read it again for you? Here it is. What an incredible quality of love the father has shown to us that we should be named and called and counted the children of God. And so we are. God has called us. He has counted us. He's marked us as his children. Now, you've got to step into that. You're like, oh, yeah, of course, all, the, all of the children of God, everybody and God loves us. No, if you don't, if you don't, if it doesn't change who you are, if it doesn't change the way you live and see life and, and the future, if it doesn't change the way you see after death, then you don't get it. You don't get it. You may be a religious person or an intellectual person or a philosophical person or just a downright atheist or you may be juggling with your own concoction of belief systems. You cannot be my brother, my sister, my friend. You cannot be the author of your own faith. You have no right to that. The faith has to be grounded in the object of the one who who wins your affection and your trust and that has to be God and he says I've called you as a son I've called you as a daughter what an incredible look at this verse I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts isn't that amazing that as we grow in our life that God takes center stage and becomes more at home he comes to dwell in us as you trust in him look at that verse May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvelous love and may you have the power to understand, as all of God's children should, how wide, how long, how high, how deep his love really is. So your life is a study. Your life is an excavation project of the love of God. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great, you will never fully understand it. So it takes a lifetime and it's never, ever ending. Yet it's so fulfilling to keep on understanding the love of God for you. Here's the unfortunate thing. We have misconstrued love. We have made love into a physical exercise. We have made love into into just a very emotional, sentimental uh, thing. But the way God loves and what God defines love is incredibly different and you've got to understand what it is God's love is wide enough to be everywhere write it down God's love is long enough to last forever God's love is deep enough to handle anything no matter what you've gone through or are going through God's love is a strength that comes with you it's a it's a confidence that comes with you it's a it's a it's a it's a climate that surrounds you as you go through life high enough to overlook mistakes God's love is so high that it covers just about anything you could possibly do because love forgives, love forgives, love forgives and then forgives more. So what if you got it? If you got it, if a person comes to grips with the fact that God loves him, if a person comes into the love of God and lives in that love, which is what his calling is, how would it transform that person's life? That's what I want to look at this morning. How would it be different for you if you are a person who lived in the love of God? You just basked in it. You swam in it. You understood it. You you lived in that reality that you are completely and totally loved by God. Let me give you five things that would mark a person who is absolutely sure experiencing, and enjoying living in the love of God. Are you ready for this? Let me give you five things. Here's the first one. I feel accepted rather than ashamed. Write this down if you're taking notes. I feel accepted rather than ashamed. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 1, by faith we have been accepted to God or we have been acceptable, we have been made acceptable to God. By faith... Faith makes you acceptable no matter what you've done, no matter how far you've run from him, no matter how much you've held your fist out at God, the moment you trust in God for who he is and for what he claims Jesus to be, the moment you show faith, faith covers that. Faith becomes, uh, makes you acceptable. And now because of our Lord Jesus Christ, we live at peace with God. Look at the verse. We live at peace with God. So when you place your faith in Jesus, your faith in Christ covers everything you've ever done, everything you uh, will ever do and makes you acceptable because you are in Christ. It's a positional thing. I feel accepted rather than ashamed. See, being loved means you are accepted unconditionally. Being loved means nothing you can do will change that love for you. Some of you don't understand this because your, even your parents haven't loved you that way. People have abandoned you. People have turned their back on you. People have constantly redefined love for you and you have constantly uh, either struggled with getting love or struggled with keeping love. And it has always been human, broken and inconsistent. By faith, we have been made acceptable to God. The first thing that happens, the first mark of a person who knows God loves him and lives in that love, he is just accepted. He lives by being accepted. He knows that nothing he does can undo the love of God for him. If God says his chosen ones are acceptable to him, can anyone bring a charge against them? Can anyone point a finger? Can anyone dissuade God from loving him? Or can anyone condemn them? No, indeed. Look at that verse. Look, look at the em- emphasis there. No, indeed. Romans chapter 8, verse 34, 33 and 34. This is all in the Bible. And as you discover the Bible and as you open the word and, the, and read through the word, you'll find in and through that word, a God, a person who has always loved you and wants to love you. And this love is not human love. This love is not sexual love. It's not sentimental love. It is not filial or seasonal love. This love is an undying uh, affection and allegiance of a father, a father for a son that's not even born yet, who wants to have you and wants to love you and wants to know you. I feel accepted rather than ashamed write down a second mark of a person who's totally loved by God I am bold in bringing my needs to God I am bold in bringing my needs to God for a lot of us our prayer life is as strong as our last sin our prayer life is as strong as our last failure we look at everything as contractual even our parents If they were upset with us for something we've just done, we lose confidence to be able to ask them for anything or to or to even address them or to approach them. But God is always approachable. God is always ready. He holds your sin at par and then he will deal with your sin. But he will never mix that with how much he loves you and how much he wants to give you and be with you and shower you. Look at what it says in this beautiful scripture. All who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. All who are led by the spirit of God are the children of God. So you should not be like cowering fearful slaves. In the Roman world, that was a, that was a, a very strong uh, present metaphor. You should not be cowering fearful slaves. You should behave instead. This is, this is what you should do. Like God's very own children adopted into his family. How do they behave? Once a kid gets it, this is home. This is, this is my place. Everything that's dad's is mine you know i carry his name i this is me that's my father he loves me once you are in your father's love once you are you are it's gone through your soul and you know whom you belong to my goodness the confidence surges and this is what he says you should become instead you should behave instead like god's very own children adopted into his family calling god abba abba john papa daddy dada you just just come to god like you would come to a father and since we are his children we will share his treasures we will share what he has for everything god gives to his son in christ is ours everything god gives to jesus is ours so in christ we have everything that christ has in christ we can be everything that christ is and jesus came in the form of a son everybody's debating that oh son of god how can you have come on Get with it. Get the father's heart. Don't, don't, don't argue with a father who's trying to tell you that he loves you. That's not the point. The point is he wants Jesus to display what you should be like. How you should approach the father. What access you have to the father. And God wants you to behave with the confidence that comes from knowing deep in your heart, marked by the love of God, that you are accepted and that you are his own. I'm bold in bringing my needs to God. Your prayer life would be completely altered if you knew how much God loved you and if you lived in that love. Write down a third one. I have peace in pain I don't understand. See, one of the amazing things that God gives to his own people is peace. Peace that passes understanding, that is beyond understanding. Now, what does that mean? That means when everything else around is falling apart, When the world seems to be going uh, south, I mean, everything seems to be falling apart or your own life, for instance, is falling apart. Yet there is a peace inside knowing that you've got a hand holding you. You've got someone in control that's beyond you, that your life and its outcome is not in your hands. Someone else scripts, defines and directs your life. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, he says. You know that. I have peace in pain I don't understand. I have peace in pain I don't understand. This is a peace that comes there that when you don't know what's going on and you don't understand even the peace itself, you have peace. Everybody's looking for peace of mind. Everybody's looking for peace of mind. But the peace of God that passes understanding goes beyond your mind and sits in your heart. Goes beyond your mind and sits in your heart. The problem is we need peace in our hearts before we have peace in our minds. Peace in our minds can be easily found from, by drinking and by, by, by getting into drugs or by rock and roll or by all sorts of indulgences or, or, or just emptying your mind for whatever reason. And you could, you could get your mind peace for a few hours. That's, that's a hundred ways you could do that. But peace in the heart comes from being right with God. Peace in the heart is a gift that God gives and that peace comes straight into the heart. A lot of people don't walk with God, don't enjoy God because their faith is here and not here. Many people are going to miss heaven by 18 inches. They're going to miss heaven by 18 inches because they don't understand the love of God and they're still arguing on semantics, they're arguing on on logistics, they're arguing on, on, on legalities. When God wants you to understand, he loves you period. He loves you, period. I have peace in pain. I don't understand. Write down a fourth. I gain the courage to take risks. I gain the courage to take risks. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. Fear in our hearts always has to do with seeing things happen in life. Feeling that it's happening because we did something wrong. Life's not going well because we are being punished. Someone's out to get us. Someone's out to show us uh, what we really are or humble us. We see everything that happens or doesn't happen to us as as punitive. As in it's happening to us because it's punishment. And because of that we fear we fear to take risks we don't feel like somebody's with us if i was to leap if i was to jump we don't f- and we think that oftentimes fighting our fears is a mental thing no 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 it's a hard thing when you know you're deeply loved you can take big risks when you know you're deeply loved you can take big risks that's why a kid abandons himself and jumps into the air he doesn't calculate all the risks he doesn't calculate the distance from him and his father he doesn't he just jumps And he knows his father will reach out. His father will jump longer and higher to catch him. That's love. That's love. Let me close with one more. Number five. I worship instead of worry. I worship instead of worry. So don't worry about not having enough food or drink or clothing. He will give you all you need from day to day if you live for him and make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Make the rule of God to live in his kingdom the primary concern. So don't worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. You see that in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus uh, is, is talking in the famous sermon called the Sermon on the Mount. Here in Romans chapter 6, he says, give yourselves completely to God since you have been given a new life. Give yourself completely to God since you have been given a new life. Let me give you one more. John chapter 1 verse 12. To all who believed and accepted him, to all who believed and accepted him, Jesus gave them the right. That means legal right. Jesus gave them the legal right to become children of God. When you are legally children, you are heirs of all that God has, heirs of all that God owns, heirs of all that God can. You are his and truly his children, called by his name and marked as his own. See, my dear friends, when you know that you are loved by God, when things happen in life, instead of worrying, you will worship. Instead of worrying, you will worship. Worrying is idolatry because while you're worrying, you cannot worship. If you're worshipping, you're, you're giving your, your trust to God. But when you're worrying, you're giving your trust to something else. You're not worshipping God at the time. It's idolatry. So I, I, I beg you to, to consider deeply and understand that when you're worrying, you're not worshipping. And when you're worshipping, you cannot worry. Here's the deal. Number five, write it down. I worship instead of worrying. So there are two things that are wiped out when you live in the love of God. One is fear and the other one is worrying. One is fear and the other one is worrying. But unfortunately, many of us, we live in worry and we live in fear because we haven't come to terms with the fact that God loves us. To live in the love of God is to know it here, not just here. If I ask you, does God love you? You say, of course God loves you. Does God love everybody? Yeah, of course God loves everyone. It hasn't changed your life. It has not changed your life. The love of God that is capable of saving every human being on the face of the earth from the first man to the last man has not changed your life. It has not changed the way you think. That should tell you how strong your thinking patterns are, how ingrained your upbringing is, how far you are from jumping in and free falling in to the mighty love of God. This is not a sentimental issue. This is not a philosophical issue. This is not a religious issue. This is a relational issue. When you know whose you are, you can live in the calling that God has for you. Come into a relationship with Jesus Christ because when your faith is placed in Christ, that faith makes you acceptable. And when you're acceptable, and if you believe in Christ, he gives you the right to be called the children of God. And then you're able to live your calling. Live your calling as being one who is loved by God. Loved by God. See, the fact that God loves doesn't mean you've received it. The transaction is not complete. The process is not complete until you have received it. When you receive it, live it and enjoy it. That's when the love of God really makes the transformation required. Are you with me? Today, will you seriously consider Jesus Christ, that God sent his son, the Lord Jesus. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave the only one to come from him. His name is Jesus. Jesus means savior. Christ means the sent one. The Savior who was sent to save you from yourself, to save you from the penalty of sin, to save you from a future that is uncertain and filled with destruction. That is love. Love in a father's heart that wants you back. So God created you to love you and then God sent Jesus to redeem you back. How much more do you want him to do to show you that he loves you, to prove that he loves you and to get you back? Until you respond to him. Make it today. Make it today. Here's a simple prayer that you can pray right now with me to respond to his love. Father God, I've always known that you are a loving God. I've doubted if you loved me. I've doubted if I live in your love. And I've always kept my focus on my performance and my sins and the things I've done. And I've always thought that your love for me is, is in proportion to how much I have loved you or how good I have been but today I understand that who I am comes after my believing in who you are and how much you love me that all I've done comes way after the fact that you love me and when you started loving me Lord I understand today that you have called me your child and loved me from long before I could do anything wrong so today I acknowledge my sin and I acknowledge that I'm broken but I also want to acknowledge that you love me and that I receive your love I receive your forgiveness I receive your standing I receive your grace everything that your love gives me Lord I want today I accept it say the date say your name and tell God Lord, you want me to be yours. But today I'm telling you, I want to be yours. I want to live in your love. And I want that love to change my life, to change the way I think. Jesus, today I acknowledge you as my Savior. Today I acknowledge you as the one who brought God's love to me. And I will love you back to show God that I love Him. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for your love. I hope you prayed that prayer. And if you did, there's a number on the bottom of the screen that I hope you'll tell use to tell me. Tell me that, that that this got that I got through. I'm praying for you right now as I preach to you. And I'm longing for God to touch your heart. I'm longing for people to come into the love of God. To come into come out of Performance and into a position of being wholly completely loved by God. I'm praying for that I have dedicated my life to that every word that comes out of my mouth when I'm when I'm Recording videos or I'm preaching or teaching is to get you to understand that it's not about you It's about a God who wanted you long before you knew he existed So if you've made that decision, I really want to know about it And I want to help you and I want to I want to guide you taking you further in this relationship with God and help you live your calling, help you live in the love of God. God loves you. We love you. Let's stay connected. I'm waiting to hear from you. Thank you. Hi, I'm Jeremy Dawson. And if you liked what you just saw, if it was a blessing, then hit the subscribe button. Come on, you can do it. Hit the subscribe button, uh, hit the bell so that we know you want to hear from us. Lots of videos coming your way, songs, worship, encouragement. Come on, subscribe. Let's take this forward and share with somebody you might know. Write a comment in the section below. But let's see you guys again. Come on, subscribe.